Good Tuesday morning, everyone. Welcome to the BallQuest.com podcast presented by Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out online at BlueWaterClimateControl.com or visit them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore climate. Remember, if you're in the market for HVAC needs, whether it's a repair, a new system, whatever you need, check them out at Blue Water Climate Control. They've got the tune-up for you, all the things that you need. Uh, they will take care of you. Give them a call at 865-299-2290. You can book an appointment online or you can find out more information from them online. Give Jeremy and his staff a call at Blue Water Climate Control. Tennessee is 1-0 with a win over South Carolina. Uh, Rob Lewis, I'll get your impressions first. Your thoughts just uh, two days after the fact and re-watching it and looking at it and watching it and everything else. Your thoughts on Tennessee's overall performance in week one. I mean, I, I don't think anybody, like, you know, what Jeremy said, I mean, I would, I would agree with him. I mean, there was a lot of good, a lot of bad, and I don't see, you know, it was inconsistent. It was sloppy at times. I got to say, you know, they probably looked a little better than I thought they would in, in a few areas. Front seven, quarterback pressure. Come on, AP, let's give it up for Brent Hubbs. DeAndre Johnson, baby. SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week. Uh, I mean, I, if, that was, if that was not just a flash in the pan, then you got to feel pretty good about the front seven. Um, it, it's Monday night, uh, like near midnight when we're taping this to run on Tuesday morning. This will be the last day Hubs gets to grandstand about DeAndre Johnson. We, we have, we, I've, I have I been have, over backwards I've and said, said he was word. right. It's oh, a well, des- it's a well-deserved <laughs> victory lap, man. He pulled that you one out. You took your victory lap in the chat with DeAndre Johnson didn't surprise me. That's, <laughs> that's the, that's the one. That's the only one I took there, AP. Hey man, I'm just glad that I'm getting salty hubs. Salty <laughs> hubs is the best hubs because he's never really salty with uh, with kind of the, you know, having a little fun, whereas I like to just poke the bear, uh, evidence of the chat last night. Um, I, but, uh, you know, I, I agree with Rob. I, I thought they were better. I told you in the press box Saturday night, Brent, I didn't think they were bad in any area. Now, could they have defended the field still better? Yes. They were bad. Yeah, and third down. Good. You're right. In retrospect, they were terrible on third down. And a lot of that's just on JG being inaccurate. Yeah. But I don't think he played horrible. And I, I thought you had a great quote in the chat. If he went 28 for 32 and had four bad balls, people would be going crazy. I mean, I, I my biggest takeaway is I, I, he didn't make that throw where you're like, what in the hell was he looking at there? <laughs> no, he didn't Which have Which has been the last three or four years. I thought maybe one occasion in the first half he held it too long and took a sack that, that was avoidable. But, you know, Tennessee also had four pass plays over 30 yards. And, uh, you know, that you, you can't really downplay how, how big of a deal the explosive plays were and no turnovers. I, I maintain that his little dump off to Eric Gray that led to the first touchdown, you know, was as good a play for him because he didn't panic. He didn't panic. He stayed in it. Even when they were grabbing at his legs, he, he stayed calm, dumped it down to Eric Gray, and, and EG went down to the one-yard line, and JG with that patented JG quarterback sneak. How great uh, was that first touchdown of the season? Well, epic. I, uh, Austin, I agree with you. I think if you, when you look back on it, the two – maybe the two biggest plays in the first half offensively was the Eric Gray play. Now, look, I know Brandon Johnson caught a huge ball on third and two, and, and you can't take that away because that extended the drive, so maybe that was the biggest. But the fact that Jared made that play – kept his eyes downfield, didn't get locked in on the rush in front of him, and, and made a play because that was not designed. I mean, the, Eric Gray is not listed in that play diagram as the dump-down check-down on a flea flicker. That's just 
that was an improvised play, which is something that Jared's not done very often in his career. The other play of the game in the first half that I think was, was huge for Tennessee was Elante Taylor's tackle for loss on the jet sweep on South Carolina's second series, Rob, after the botch punt. If Elante Taylor doesn't physically run through the receiver trying to block him he and make him that up. play there, then, then I'm not sure. Tennessee might go down 14 nothing, and we got a whole different ball game. That play from Elante Taylor was a huge play in the game. And while I think Alante Taylor probably talked too much during the game, that he's going to have to be careful of that, I, I think you can make a case he was as good, if not the best defender on the field for Tennessee at any position Saturday night. I completely agree. And, and before we go back, I'm going to double back on your JG flea flicker improv, improvisation. I think it's even more impressive because when you dial that play up, you're going to the line with the mindset that you're going to take a shot downfield. You know, even if you throw up a 50-50 ball, and he resisted the urge to do that when it wasn't there and made something happen. But back to your point, I'm, yeah, I mean, the game couldn't have started any worse for Tennessee. South Carolina goes 10 plays, 75 yards. You know, you, you botch a punt on your next possession and give them the ball at your 38-yard line. I mean, the it, defense back to the wall time right there. And, yeah, I mean, they make South Carolina go backwards. They started the 38. They punt from Tennessee's 41, and it changed everything about the game. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. It certainly settled Tennessee down and got their tennis, got their defense into a rhythm. All right, let, let's let's kind of spin Saturday night forward as you, as you you know move ahead and look a little bit at Missouri and we'll got all week to dive into Missouri. But just from a Tennessee standpoint, where should they be better this week? What what's realistic for them to be better at this week? How much different? How much improvement? Um, how much? How different will they be? you think they'll be personnel-wise this week compared to week one? Rob, or Austin, I'll start with you. I think they're going to be better, one, in the secondary because I think Jalen McCullough is going to play the whole game. And, 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 you know, you could tell there was a shift in confidence when he came into the game Saturday night and, and Bryce went, you know, to the other corners or back to corner. Um, not that Bryce was playing that bad at safety, but he's just a natural corner. And then I think they're going to be better at quarterback. I think J.G. will play better. And, uh, you know, I, I think Tennessee will, uh, you know, involve more of those freshman receivers as as told to me uh you know on sunday it was a road game to kick off the season in sec play didn't want to overwhelm them and and the packages we had created for for weidman and and hyatt we you know we, we elected not to use those and the one time they did jg made a terrible throw on third and two yeah, because Hyatt was – yeah, he was open. I mean, that was an easy first down pitch and catch if he doesn't throw it three yards behind him there because that was a bad third down ball from, from Jared there. I'll say this about the receivers, and, and this – I don't want this to be some crazy hot take because I don't want to take anything away from the alpha male, the leader, the Go ahead and get your hot take because you're bound to be wrong, then I can throw back at you. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, when you're right, sometimes you can take your victory lap, AP. How AP, about that? Wouldn't, okay. AP wouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I would take my victory laps in recruiting all the time. When you get one right, we'll let you take your victory lap, AP. Um, I want to go back to my hot take here with Juwan, with Juwan Jennings, who I love as a competitor. But is it is it crazy to say there wasn't the drop-off at receiver, at least in week one, that we that everybody thought there would be with the loss of Callaway and the loss of, of Juwan Jennings? And that's not a knock on those two guys. That's more of a credit to Josh Palmer, who I think is emerging as a legitimate potential Sunday wide receiver as well as Brandon Johnson coming off the red shirt. Am I crazy to, to, to 
to think that was the case. I'm not. I'm not. I'm really not surprised about Josh. I mean, he's made enough plays. I mean, you go back to the the touchdown at, at Kentucky, the circus catch at Missouri. I mean, he he's made some plays. He's just never. He's always just always been the third option. I was really surprised about Brandon Johnson and happy for the kid because I mean, we've all dealt with him in the past. I mean, he's a he's a good kid, and when you bet on yourself like that to to pull back and, and take you know sit out a year to improve your chances of playing. It's a feel-good story to see that pay off for him, but I mean, he was really impressive. Yeah, I mean, I thought he played. I thought he played well, and and Austin, I, I think you know he he graded out pretty well with the Pro Football Focus stuff. I think there's a nucleus there of some veterans. I, I like what um, Jones, what what Velas did. Yeah, the way they used Velas Jones was very nice. I thought. Yeah, they don't and they don't have a guy like him. I mean, after no. seeing him in action, the you know quick burst in and out of his cuts. I mean, he, they don't have a guy like that. But you throw in those these freshmen that I think we all believe, and that's not a hot take or taking a victory lap, that they're going to be good players, right? It's just a matter of time. I think that unit's got a chance to be a really nice collection of playmakers by the third or fourth game of the season. Don't you guys? I couldn't agree more. I mean, I just think they're deep. And, you know, even a guy like Jimmy Holiday, who didn't play receiver, but he played special teams, you can see by athleticism, he got in there and made the – the uh, fumble recovery there late in the game and uh, held the ball up like Petey did after he recovered the fumble and remember the Titans with the one hand. <laughs> Over under on AP movie references in this pod, Hubbard. We got, we've got one. Well, the, the question, the, the over under I would only set is a Disney movie. So I don't think to remember the Titans. Was I think Disney. it might have been a Disney. Disney. It is a Disney movie. I, think, I was going to say, I think it is uh, a Disney movie. All right. Then two and a half. It's a two and a half right now. He'll definitely he'll, – I'll take the over, so that means he'll do the under just to make sure I lose and the bet. Sticking <laughs> with the receivers, I mean, I think with what you saw Saturday from it looking like, you know, those three vets in Johnson, Palmer, and Jones can be productive guys, I think that really gives you the luxury of just giving Weidman and Hyatt packages, you know, six, seven plays, formations where they go in and they don't have to learn the whole playbook and really let you maximize what they can do. All right, I want to get Austin, all joking aside, I'm going to give you credit for this, and I want to ask you this, because he was better than I thought he would be, and that's Tyler Barron. One, you've seen him and know him for a long time. Why? That's not an easy place as a freshman to come in off the edge and make an impact in the run game. We've seen guys with speed come off the edge and sack quarterbacks as a freshman just by, you know, outspeeding out the, the, the offensive tackle. Why was he good in the run game? What, what makes him ready to play? Because you did call your shot there. You said he would, he would be a freshman that nobody – we had nobody really talked about. We, you mentioned that in the chat a couple of weeks ago. And because of that, does he take guys – does he take Roman Harrison snaps? Does he get more run moving forward based on what you saw out of him Saturday night? I think it depends on who they're playing. Uh, you know, but I, I think it's easy for him to transition because he's so big. I mean, he, he had a college body as a high school kid. Um, and I don't mean like muscles. I mean like just like he's just naturally big. Like I mean like you know and and, and I, you know he's got he don't don't misunderstand because I'm not comparing him to Wanye. Okay, Wanye is a special kind of big in the back end, but he's big in the back end. So I think he's able to stand out there on the edge, battle some tackles, even if he stunts and into the into the guards and hand, can handle himself pretty well. He's a strong kid, and so I, I think that's the biggest reason he's able to transition well. And he's, if you ever have a conversation with Tyler, he's not a huge talker, but he's very intelligent. Yeah, I, I mean, I love the way he uses hands. I, I really did. I mean, I thought he showed up um, 
more than Roman Harrison showed up. And that's not a knock on Roman, but I, I mean, I think Tyler made a case uh, for more playing time in this game. Uh, when you look at Missouri, uh, just briefly, you know, that, that game was over really quick, Rob, against uh, Alabama, as you would expect. What, what, what's your takeaway from the Tigers? I, mean, I didn't – they were playing the same time. I admittedly, I didn't watch a lot of it. And what I did watch was in the first half, you know, flipping back and forth in commercial breaks. And it seemed like Alabama was a good high school team playing a bad high school team. I didn't see any of the second half. Plan to go back and watch some. Looking like West versus Hard. I was trying to get four quick hot, quick hot takes together for for uh, Tennessee. But I mean, the first half they they just got absolutely pushed around both sides of the ball. I mean, it just I mean Alabama was toying with, them. and I wasn't surprised to see you know Alabama kind of lose the stinger after they got up thirty five to three. You know, I mean, it, was, it would seem. I mean, Najee Harris was getting to the second level every time before he got touched. Yeah, Austin. In looking at this, it seems like Tennessee should have a big advantage in the trenches. Um, the Alabama's offensive line, which is a good offensive line, uh, did not allow Missouri to get to uh, Mac Jones all night long. From what what I've rewatched of it to this point, and the second thing that jumped out to me is Missouri's offensive front, which is a new system, three new linemen who just showed up on campus back in the summer who were starting really had a hard time figuring out and communicating where people are come where people were coming from. Alabama's blitzes uh, were really effective in that game very early. So I, I think Tennessee's got a chance to, to be I think they'll bring pressure again. from all directions. They didn't do that a whole lot the other night. Just one no. I mean I mean they did it more than once, but I mean they got home one time with slaughter and I mean they didn't have to a lot because of Hubs' guy DeAndre Johnson getting the kind of push that he was getting. Well here's the other thing too. I mean South Carolina's tri- was trying to get it out of their hands pretty quick too. You know, a lot of three-step drop, a lot of quick slants, um, trying to get it out of hand. And, obviously, they, had, they found success with that. So, you know, Tennessee was trying to adjust to that. How well, does – And, and you, pointed to, I mean, you pointed this out, and I think it's a great point, is, I mean, South Carolina, I mean, they were able to get it out quick because they were doing so much short stuff over the middle where they were taking advantage of Tennessee. You know, freshman at nickel, Jeremy Banks starting his first game ever, inside linebacker, Bryce Thompson – First time he's ever played safety. I mean, I, I think they were able to get some quick stuff over the middle and hit Tennessee that I, I would guess that Ansley and, and Pruitt will tighten up. I think that will be the biggest area of improvement this week for this team. One, because McCullough's back, Austin. Um, two, I think Slaughter will be better, and I think their inside linebackers will be better in coverage. I, I think I think they will they will tighten that up and, and will, not, will not let Missouri have the, the field day uh, that South Carolina had in the game across the middle. And, and I think some of that was not – I mean, it's easy to say slaughter, 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 but I think there's linebacker coverage involved in that. I think there's some safety coverage involved in that. I don't think it's one guy, but clearly the, the chemistry with the inside backers, the nickel guy, and the safety was not there because they probably hadn't repped those guys a lot together over the course of the fall. Well, and, and Jeremy talked about it on Monday – you know, Theo Jackson, they tried to work him some at nickel, but he's a more of a natural safety. I, I thought it was more, you know, condemning of the fact that they did not go with him at safety and, and chose to go with Bryce Thompson. Clearly feeling like they need to find their best uh, and most athletic group on the field. They chose to go with a kid that's never played before on the road in the SEC to begin his college career. And he made some plays. Now, was he perfect? No. But as you just pointed out, it's not always on him. And no. athletically, he, he looked the part. I mean, the kid can, the kid can move. And, I, I mean, I, I thought it looked like he had good instincts. Well, and I think, I think that's what you're seeing from, from Jeremy Pruitt, what he wants defensively. If, he, if the decision is athleticism, 
you know, versus something else. He's going to take athleticism. I think that's why Jeremy Banks started at inside linebacker, Austin, because he's more athletic than, than Crouch is. He's quicker. He's more explosive than Crouch is at that position. I think Slaughter got the nickel spot because he's more explosive than Theo Jackson is at the, at the nickel. And, and I think Jeremy Pruitt's always going to lean that direction in certain positions, you know, than, than he is at some other spots. Um, it, quickly on the interior defensive line, I thought Elijah Simmons kind of did what they asked him to do, was, was solid, not great, but solid. Aubrey Solomon looks like Austin a long ways away. I'm curious to see how far away Darrell Middleton is if he plays this week in terms of just physically being ready to play in condition and all those things. I, I don't think Darrell is that far out of shape, uh, not as bad as Aubrey. I mean, Aubrey, he did nothing in fall camp except for individual. And then, you know, started, you know, doing contact work during game week. And then, you know, I guess it's just unrealistic to think he's going to be able to be a real factor, probably to, I think, maybe Kentucky. I, th- I, mean, I mean, it's hard to say that they didn't. I mean, they held South Carolina to 2.5 yards per carry and 85 yards in a game. But I thought they would be a little more dynamic, just right in the trenches. I mean, I thought, I thought we'd see more from Greg Emerson. I thought we'd see more from Latrell Bumpus. And, again, you're talking about a game where they held the opponent to 2.5 yards and attempt, so it's not like they played bad. I just thought we'd see, you know, a couple of guys do a little more. Yeah, they weren't very – I mean, they weren't playing – those two guys who I thought would be more playmakers, I think Emerson had a batted ball. But outside of that, they didn't make real plays. Bumpus didn't make any real plays in there. Again, Kevon Bennett showed up. You know, they got play from DeAndre Johnson. They got play from Tyler Barron. So, they, they got effectiveness on the outside, but the inside was just kind of – almost control your gap a little bit was kind of the way that it, it, it bared out um, for, for Tennessee in the interior. So we got plenty of Missouri stuff to talk about, plenty of that, that that we'll talk about all week long. I've got to get, we got to get to the Cade Mays situation at this point. Um, again, recording this, you know, a few hours before it runs, they're not making a decision at midnight tonight, not going to make a decision early in the morning. Austin, you, you made a, a post in the, in the chat, Somebody asked you about, you know, kind of what was going – why would somebody not vote for it? And, and you made the, the, the post something to the effect of decision about is it really for the kids or is it something somebody views as a team getting a competitive advantage. Is that where you think some of this lies in, in the vote? Because, listen, you can call the president vote all you want to. The president's only going to do what the ADs and coaches tell them to vote. Yep. They're going to tell them to vote yes or no. Do, do you think that's sort of where some teams are in the conference with this? Yes, I do. I think it just boils down to doing what's be- you know, are you doing this what's best for the kids or are you doing this for what's best for your your current football team in 2020? Cuz in a year it, where we could certainly use some money from a college football playoff check. Yeah, you know, if you're doing it for the, you know, for the for the latter, then, you know, Cade's not playing this year. If you're doing what's best for the kids, he's playing. There's the third option that some just abstain and say, "Well, we're just going to wait on the NCAA to rule on the one-time waiver." transfer in, in, you know, January. To me, that's weak. If that happens, it comes across terrible. You know, know, people have kind of went back and forth with me when I talked to them about, you know, what Georgia will do. I just have a tough time feeling, you know, after Otis Reese just took them to task on Twitter, if they vote no, it's an incredibly bad look that can be used against them in recruiting. I think the chances of them winning this appeal – or winning this this vote change are 50-50 at best. So I think it behooves Georgia to vote yes, thinking that, you know, they won't get enough votes as is anyways. But will they ever be made public? You know as well as I do. 
it'll be made public. Yeah, um, I mean, that's I, well, I mean, a lot of that stuff gets out. There was, you know, transcripts of calls that got out earlier this year, and then there was the story about how mad the coaches were about the scheduling deal and all that stuff. I mean, there'll be plenty of stuff. There won't be a release by the, by the SEC on who voted how, but there'll be plenty of speculation, plenty of discussion and stories written about that, I would imagine, moving forward. Did, did, do you think the delay in this is simply because people said they needed more information, or is it because they didn't have the votes one way, the, the, the league office didn't have the votes one way or the other that they wanted, and so they're going to push it back for more discussion on Thursday? Or do you just think it was a simple matter of president said, hey, I got to talk to my coaches in 80 years. <laughs> I, think that's I, think that's, I think it's kind of all three, to be honest. I mean, you know, they needed more time. They need to be able to go back and say, okay, here's what we kind of, you know, straw poll, you know, think may happen. You know, what, how, how are we going to vote? Uh, you know, and again. I, I think you I, got I, some eggheads to go and call their ADs and asking, who's Cade Mays? <laughs> why, 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 why do I care? That's true. Well, again, though, it's not just that. Cade, though. It's, it's Gatewood at Kentucky. It's Otis Reese at Ole Miss. Um, I, I just have a tough time. I mean, like, what, what, they can get anything done in any time of, kind of timely you know, fashion that they want to get done. They're intentionally dragging this thing out and leaving the kids up on the flagpole just dangling. It's not just Cade. I, I, just, keep battle, I just keep beating that drum because it's, it's not just a Cade Mace. It's Cade Mace because we cover Tennessee. But if you're Kentucky, it's Gatewood, you know, and if you're at Ole Miss, it's Otis Reese. And if you're, you know, and if you're other kids that are looking to, to just be able to play right away to come from another conference that have been deemed ineligible as of right now, you're hoping that goes through as well. Well, and Gatewood might be more important to Kentucky than Mays is to Tennessee. If you watch Saturday's game, you know, speaking, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm not knocking Cade Mays in the least. I'm just no. saying Kentucky's got some quarterback issues. Yeah. And, and before we go, Hubbard, look, can, can we talk about the SEC this weekend? Absolutely. I, pretty, nice. I think it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Go. That Texas a and game doesn't look like such a, such a screw job for Tennessee right now. Well, a, I mean, A&M's got issues because they've had so many players opt out, you know, good players opt out. Um, I think if you're Tennessee, you still wish you had Ole Miss and LSU though. Well, Ole Miss LSU? anybody in LSU? How about LSU? You know, the Mike Leach stuff won't work in the SEC, boys. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing about LSU that, that stood out to me was just they, could, they couldn't run with the receivers in the back end. I, I thought LSU in the secondary looked slow. I, I talked to somebody in the league today who said, well, while everybody's going to talk about LSU losing all the players that they lost, and when you lose that many players, you're going to bound to have a drop-off. But LSU's biggest loss to the person I talked to wasn't players, wasn't Joe Brady. It's the loss of Dave Aranda on the defensive side of the ball to Baylor. That Dave Aranda, that, that Ed Orgeron recruits, motivates, and it was Dave Aranda who was running that show on defense and that they were not completely shocked that they struggled the way they did and they, they also, in week one. And they didn't have Stingley either, which, you know, going against a pass-happy offense like that, that was that was a pretty big deal. Pretty amazing, though, that I think, what, Mississippi State turned it over four times and yep. still won, um, which is pretty crazy. And still put up 40-plus yeah. on the road. I mean, I know it's not on the road in Death Valley like it's normally on the road in Death Valley, but still, first-time starter at quarterback, transfer in a new system. I thought – I mean, that's mighty impressive because, I mean, we all 
I mean, you just look at the recruiting rankings the last three or four years. Yeah, LSU lost 14 guys to the draft, but they still got some dudes. How, yeah. How careful do you think everybody has to be to not over – not – I mean, everybody's going to anyway, but to not overreact from what you saw in week one? Because, I mean, you know, you can take away Austin at Florida's defense, not very good. You know, because Lane Kiffin had all summer to get ready for him. He comes out and puts the starting quarter – everybody who thinks is going to be the starting quarterback at wide receiver and – goes at a breakneck pace and does all this crazy stuff early. You know, is Florida's defense really that bad, or is that just week one? I, I think that's interesting. We'll see what Florida looks I, like this week. I don't think South Florida's Carolina. defense is that bad, and I don't think Florida's offense is, is as good as Ole Miss let them, everybody think they are. I, I think Ole Miss's defense is that bad. And so, but, I mean, Florida's offense is still good. Trask is really good. Um, you know, Pitts is, Pitts? is man. <laughs> I mean, you know, but, again – I think the best thing going for Tennessee is the fact they don't play them until the end of the season. What do they look like then? Teams are going to be beat up. You're going to have injuries. You know, you don't know how, how all this thing's going to play out. So, you know, Florida may roll in here undefeated. Florida may roll in here two or three losses. You just, I mean, you, you know, you never know. They're an injury at quarterback away from, you know, but so is, so is Georgia as well. They're an injury at quarterback now. JT Daniels is cleared to play from being very pedestrian. Yeah. It, it, it just a game we hadn't talked about. Two two teams Tennessee is going to play. I wasn't blown away by Auburn or Kentucky, either one. I mean, I'm I'm sure that everybody's had their challenges getting ready, but Bo Nix didn't look to me like he had taken a monumental leap. Bo Nix didn't look away. like that a year ago. He made a couple of he he, he kind of kept them in a game early in the year last year, and everybody said, "Oh, Bo Nix! Oh, I mean, he was a good player. He wasn't a great player. You know, the quarterbacks in this league aren't very good. I think Mac Jones is better than everybody thinks he." Uh, is well, I think he's got Kyle some Trask weapons too. He does, no doubt. Jalen Waddle's a stud. I think Trask is really good. JT Daniels, we don't know yet. I mean, again, he did not play against Arkansas. His first game is going to be against Auburn, and then he's going to play Tennessee. Welcome to the SEC, because this is not Arizona and Arizona State and whoever else you may play. And you got to be this, how have they been divvying up reps down there? Like, how many first team reps has he gotten? Well, he's you know, there's been this uncertainty because that's that's a huge question. That's how can you have how can question. you have first team reps when you're not cleared for? That's for what time? I'm saying. I mean, and it's a much bigger question than Cade getting some first team reps at right tackle when you're the quarterback. I personally I think, think he was cleared question. for contact, and I think they just wanted to, they thought they could beat Arkansas without him. That's just I wonder my, if, uh, grassy knoll conspiracy. I wonder if he was in quarantine because they haven't released any numbers down there. I wonder that's why if that's why he suddenly became not cleared to play at at, at that point. I'll say this to, to, to counter your point, Austin, about it not being Arizona, all these others. K.J. Costello, Pac-12 guy, he fit in pretty well with that system, put up a bunch of numbers. So we'll see how J.T. Daniels plays. I think yeah, your point's Florida, well. I mean, Florida gave up 35 points to Ole Miss. Yeah, I, I, but I think your point's well made, Austin, in just in terms of, you know, J.T. hasn't played in over a year. And he hasn't had those reps, and now he's going to have an interesting challenge against Auburn at home. Which intrigues you more, Auburn at Georgia, Ole Miss at Kentucky, South Carolina at Florida? Auburn at Georgia, definitely. I don't think it's close. I mean, South Carolina at Florida. You know, I think the Florida's going to run them. Yeah, I think that's a beatdown too. I mean, Uh, Ole Miss at Kentucky, I think, could be a a very entertaining game. Sure, but I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how big of a jump Auburn makes and how big of a jump can Georgia makes from, from week one, particularly on the offensive side of the ball for both teams. So 
don't know. Interesting week one. Um, thankfully, at all signs point to there being a week two in the SEC. And for Tennessee, that's an opportunity to go um, to 2-0. and And this would be, if they win this game, I think this is right, this would be their longest winning streak, uh, second longest winning streak since 1998, something like that. Hey, feels, like what, feels like what, AP? Feels like what? Feels like 98. So, um, the, the six in a row in the SEC, right? Yeah, pretty – Pretty wild. I think, I mean, Butch did that in the year that they started 5-0 and in the previous year. Um, it would match that and, and match 98 as well. So, um, pretty intriguing uh, opportunity for Tennessee at home if they can take care of business against Missouri. We're going to talk about the Tigers and Tennessee in the matchup all week long. We've got all of our contact com- content coming. We'll have the stock report. Uh, we'll have the matchup piece. We'll have the Rocky Top Roundtable. All those things coming up all week long to get you ready for week two in the SEC. That's going to do it for this edition of the Blue Water Climate Control BallQuest.com podcast. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great Tuesday, everybody.